Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm joined by Alan Morrison. Welcome back Alan, uh, you've been busy with some of your other platforms, Celtic by Numbers and of course the Huddle Breakdown, talking all about uh, Ange Postacoglu's departure, where do we go next, how's the last week been for you by the way, busy? Yeah, I mean, not too bad, I mean I can say I think probably like many people, you know there were uh, a lot of, there's a lot of chatter basically you know? and that's just one of the one of the, the the features of it is, you know, you do get a lot of that, and you can obviously choose to ignore it, etc. But was, when it's a consistent chatter, then you tend to pay a little bit more of attention, as you know. So, I think you know, being cognizant of that, reading, you know, reading, look, looking at how the cup final day panned out, you know, looking at Angie's and the players' reactions at the end of the game, sort of thing. It it became apparent that you know, obviously things were afoot, and that. In all likelihood, I was kind of eighty percent. He was going to go pretty much by by the weekend. So, I feel like I've had a I've had a quite a, a week at least to get my head around it and get over it in, in a sense. So, I can I think I'm in a place now where I'm looking forward sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's how, that's how I would summarise it in terms of the last week. And Brian, welcome to the show, Brian Degnan, and uh, we might also have an appearance from Peter Magaki who is uh, looking at his tech to see if he can join us as well. Um, I seen a message yesterday saying I'm done with us. I could only last 18 minutes. I'm sick of hearing about this. I get that. I totally get it. But it is the biggest story in the world of Celtic right now. We could do a throwback Friday or a throwback Thursday and talk about some uh, menial result from 1923. But I think most people want to talk about Ange. Um, The treble, which hasn't had enough focus this week. And of course, where do we go from here? So uh, we are going to be talking about that, Brian. But I want to get your kind of instant reaction as well five days later. Because at the weekend... 
Um, Alan was on the chat trying to make sure that that we were all on on a level with regards to what was actually happening. And I was saying no, because Dermot Desmond just has to um, do that with his wee moustache and he makes things happen. Uh, but it was even beyond the magic of his uh, mustachioed uh, Dermot Desmond billionaire, <laughs> billionaire um, figure at Celtic Park to do anything. Uh, Ange left the building. We deal with it. Um, what was your instant reaction to that? Um, my instant reaction was I wasn't hugely surprised up until so the last time I was on the pod was just after the the sort of league title celebrations, Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about it, you and I, Paul, and I was fairly relaxed. I thought I just don't see Spurs, you know, from their end off the for Angie's. And obviously clearly it was wrong. It's not the first time. But as I watched the cup final, it, it, it really felt like a big goodbye. Um, you know, the body line with the way he was hugging the players, that sort of stuff, the 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 happy faces of Lol and um, Mr. Desmond, sort of a bit of a giveaway. Um, so it was a few days obviously to process it. And to be honest, I can't begrudge Ange in a way. I think there's been a, a bit of revision in terms of what people really think, Ange. Um, I still think he was an incredible statesman for the club. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he's left us in a far better position than you know when he came in. I think if you look at the conversations we're going to have over... Well, I'm hoping it's going to be a shorter period of time than the 107 days it took to appoint him, but um, I think we're all a bit more positive about the state of the club, the squad, these sort of things. And the, the only, I think the only thing that sort of didn't quite sit well with me was quoting Tommy Burns um, in the speech, knowing he was off. That that felt a, a bit manipulative, if I'm honest. Um but other than that, I, I, I can't, I don't bear Angie any ill will. Uh, certainly not compared to how I felt when Brendan Rogers left, or, or maybe the prodigal son, as we might be calling him, um, <laughs> when, uh, when, when, when he left. So um, I think to Alan's point, I sort of briefly caught the end there. I'm quite excited to see what happens next because I think this will be a real true indication of where the club's actually at. So just to, to briefly summarise without rambling on, I think we're really positive about the, the recruitment process under Ange, you know, how quickly things have been done, how efficient it's been, the sort of link up between the B squad and the academy, this idea of a bit of continuity and a bit of pathway and this modern way of thinking and scouting. Now the question is, is that down to Ange or the board took it on and that's how we're going to proceed? And I think the next move will really show where we're at as a club. Um, and I think that's quite exciting to sort of know one way or the other. And then the conversation is going to change. You know, I, I really do hope it hasn't been down to one man. I know that he's made an incredible impact, Brian. But um, I guess that's where all the conversations have been over the last couple of years in relation to this continuity and the structure. And we have, we have spoken about it. It's no hindsight having something in place that when the manager is replaced every two or three years, they slot into our structure rather than everything getting torn up and starting again every time a new man comes in. Now, I'm going to try and bring Peter Magaki into the conversation as well. Hopefully everything works well. Peter, how are you, sir? Hopefully you can hear me. Is that better? We're good. We're absolutely good. The technical difficulties in here, I don't know. Don't know how I manage it. I know, it is. Uh, and next week there will be um, some dialing in from other parts of the world. I was just saying to Alan, I'll keep it a secret, but uh, I might be like perched on a, a balcony somewhere 
uh, zooming in from all over the place to talk about Celtic, and in particular, if there's an announcement. I want to talk because I like the way that, that Alan's mind works. I've said this since the early days of you coming on. We used to do a show on a Celtic state of mind called the Celtic Stat of Mind, and it was Alan that came on and told Kevin and I, and not so many words, that we knew nothing about football. This is actually how it worked. And Kevin and I used to That's go away, Alan gone, we actually don't know anything about football, do we? Um, and, and we ran that for a That's while. Good. So it's, it's always good to get you back on, tongue-in-cheek, of course. But I do want to have a look at this continuity, Alan, of uh, a group of players that Ange has, has assembled. And I've heard a lot of chat around, we need to get a manager like Ange because they need to obviously come in and play the same way and all this kind of stuff. The way I look at it as an observer of football is we've got a, a right good crop of players a manager can come in, they don't have to play exactly the same way and we can still get success out of them. What's your thought process on that? Yeah, I think I think similar. I mean, you need, you need to be careful about about that. It's not, it's not as simplistic as that. I don't think at the end of the day they're professional footballers and I'm sure they can understand a 4-4-2 versus a 3-5-2, etc., etc. My bigger consideration um, has always been um, not whether... Ange will leave or not, because I always, you know, we all think most people would accept that he was going to. He's a talented manager and he's been successful. And, you know, there are bigger, more lucrative jobs out there. So that wasn't the concern for me. The concern for me was always what then happened. So I'm, I'm more agitated, if you like, now than I was when, when it was all, well, when's Ange actually going to leave sort of thing? Because I personally don't have a lot of faith that, you know, the football club operations are set up in a way to optimally, you know, find the right the right next candidate. And what I mean by that is, you know, everything everything the evidence of our eyes is that everything seems to have stopped now that this now that this has happened. There doesn't seem to be any progress on recruitment of players or anything. Everything has stopped. And it seems to have come as a bit of a shock to the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. That all speaks to me of a football club that is just out of tune with the realities of the world and isn't set up to run in a way where the manager is is the most significant cog in the machine, but is nevertheless a cog in the machine and isn't the one turning the handle. Because the football club has to persist you know, decade after decade. The manager has to be operational year after year, probably for a relatively short period of time. And we're just not geared up to operate in that way, and, and that's that's the risk. So with it, with it, so for me, it doesn't have to be a manager that comes in and plays precisely the way that Ange played. Because guess what? A lot of the players that we've got weren't actually well suited to the way that Ange played. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got to be honest about that as well. But what what my, my perspective is, we need to, we need to we need to as far as we possibly can de-risk the next season. And what I mean by that is, at the end of next season. Again, Champions League football is there for the SPFL winners, and that—that that is the prior, that is the number one priority for this season, because we don't have the structure of the football operations that is modern that I would want to see. And if we can win the league next season, then we start to give ourselves more time and space and resources to start being able to take the time out to build up that football operation in a more sort of modern image. But for me, at the moment. It's what can we do to make sure that it's least disruptive to guarantee, not to guarantee, because you can never guarantee, but least disruptive to give ourselves the best chance of winning that league next season, getting access to the Champions League, because European uh, money is the only way 
that is apart from player sales, which as we know is spotty and there's many, many variables there. It's the only way we can change the dial as far as growing the football club, getting more revenue in through the football club is getting into that Champions League. So that that needs to be the, the focus. Now, you know me, uh, Paul, I'm not usually one for sh- focusing on the short term, but that's just the way I see it today. And, I, and that's all on the board for not being prepared for this moment. See, that, that is an interesting take because I agree with you, Alan, and um, I know that the other day we spoke about all eyes on the board and some people say, oh, you know, it's an opportunity for you to get stuck in about the board because you like doing that. I would much rather not get stuck in about the board, to be honest with you, but I do have a kind of similar sense that we're, we're in a situation now, I'm going to come to you first, Peter, where you're kind of thinking, right, through the summer, who comes in, who goes out, and you're building your, your team for next season uh, domestically and also to progress uh, in Europe. And it does feel as though, and it shouldn't happen at a club like Celtic, it feels as though the rug's been pulled from under the board's feet. Do you get a sense of that yourself, Peter? <clears throat> well, when you've seen uh, Dermot Desmond and Peter Laws in the stands, I think that answered the question for me. Um, when, I, when it cut to their faces, I, I, I thought that Andrew was going at that point, but when I seen their faces, that was like, they definitely is gone. But that that's not faces of people that seem to you know have a progression plan I, I don't think it's it looked like it was a shock to them as well or they were angry about how it had happened but they should be in the know about this sort of thing um i uh when it comes to Ange, uh i was i said a few weeks ago that i thought he'd be here for a few years mm-hmm. and if uh, if uh, if he didn't stay then i'd look silly so bad bought in and uh but when you look at it in the cold light of day and you see the opportunity and I think when you weigh everything up, it is just too big a pull, the EPL for these managers, uh, especially a club like Tottenham. Like I say, I think I don't think he would have left for likes of Brighton, Brentford, teams like that on that level. But Tottenham, you know, one of the big six, historic, uh, uh, you know, they're considered one of the big, big six teams. It's probably just at his level, just just that level where he couldn't turn it down. So I, I don't begrudge him going. I'm just sad that he's left so soon because I think there was so much to come or there could have been so much to come. But I um, when it uh, to progress, I, I think I don't really know. I don't buy into who the next manager should be because we don't know. We didn't know Ange. We didn't know anything about him. So as long as Alan says, as next, next year that we've lifted another SPL trophy, then I'll be happy, regardless of who it is. You know, and I think that's why some fans, and I'm sure we'll come to this, have thawed um, at the prospect of Brendan Rodgers coming back to the club and we'll be having a look at that as well. But, you know, that's what it comes down to, Brian, doesn't it? It's all about success on the park. And because we've been successful, we have not really been talking about the board. Can you imagine us going for that treble and there was no rumours about Angie and we were moaning about the board? Nobody really wants to listen to that um, when things are going well on the park. But a big part of that, I believe, is the fact that Ange, not only did he come in and make an impact, the whole recruitment uh, of players was a success. And that was one of our biggest gripes, you know, in the final season under Neil Lennon and previously with project signings um, and a lot of money going down the tubes that, you know, it was almost like sign 10 and hopefully two or three of them work. There seemed to be more of a focus. I'm not saying the strategy changed, but there was more of a focus um, in our player player dealings. Um, and you do hope, Brian, that that side of things can continue because that was one of the biggest grapes we had pre-Ange, wasn't it? 
Absolutely. And, and as I say, I think actually it goes to my earlier point. This is why I think it's quite exciting because we sort of see, we're going to see what the, the, the border, not just the board, the, the, the club sort of infrastructure is actually like. Like I think you've got to say Mark Lowell must have a hand in a lot of these things as well, not in terms of maybe identifying them, but certainly getting them pushed through, you know, and his role as sort of head of recruitment and stuff. I think Michael Nicholson's been really good. This is the first, you know, his first two seasons as um, <clears throat> CEO. So it'd be interesting to see how they progress for here. And the reason I'm always talking about continuity, and I've been sort of rambling about it for about the past year or so, and I use like Dortmund, Leipzig as examples, is because, and I think Big, Big John mentioned this on Wednesday, I think we have a director of football. What they can do is, to Alan's early point, is ensure that, you don't necessarily need a, a manager that's going to play inverted fullbacks, but I think you do need a manager who plays in a style that suits the players we're recruiting and identifying and scouting for and the type of players we've got in the academy for that mould. So there's a lot of talks about David Moyes coming in. Now, in the short term, David Moyes would be very successful, I think, but he's not, his player type and style probably won't suit the players that are there necessarily. So then you say, right, well, let's get in a bunch of really tall, physical, athletic players. And then the next manager wants to go back to that, you know, high-tempo attacking football. So then you write, you rewrite the script again. Whereas I think it would someone just, as a bit of continuity, as a sort of director of football role. Like Alan says, the call becomes a bit less, a bit, a bit smaller, because if you're changing your, your team coach, but maintaining a sort of recruitment, a player type, mm-hmm. you know, a... a, a not necessarily the, the exact system of play, but the intent of play. I think that makes things a bit easier longer term. Um, and I think that's that's why I'm so excited about what the board do and what the club do. Because I think it really tells us a lot as to where they're at. You know, was Ange the start of their more forward-thinking recruitment process for managers and for the club going forward? Was it a fluke? This is what we're going to find out hopefully in the coming weeks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, and, and Alan and I were having a wee chat because I've not I've not seen you for about a month, um, Alan, about the fact that on the one hand we're really keen, we're really keen for that that you know that smoke to start bellowing out of Celtic Park because there's been an announcement, um, and then inevitably it'll happen on Twitter. It'll probably be um, you know one of the days where it just goes into meltdown. The first thing you do is make sure it's coming from a proper account and it's not a parody because we've all done that, um, and, and then. You're really keen to get that, but on the other hand, you just want the the process to be done properly and, and thoroughly. And by the way, today, I've made it my mission today to talk about the treble as well. I don't think we've spoken enough about that um, in the last week. But before I do it, Stephen Sloan, you are, you know, regularly on the comment section and you're, you're chatting on YouTube. I'm bringing this up just because, you know what, it's a wee bit more lighthearted than some of the stuff we've been talking about this week. I have been called many things since I started Axon, and before Axon, by the way, many things. And I've been likened to many people. Some of my favourites have been Leanne Dempster, 
Gash Nesbitt. Who else, Brian? There's been loads, right? KD Lang. KD Lang. That's my favourite because I actually do look like KD Lang. Um, but it's interesting that most of them are female. So it's great that you're going to throw one in who is actually a male. And it's um, Roddy Frame. Yeah, somebody has said that, right? Roddy Frame of Aztec Camera. Uh, I might have to dig out a wee image of him. Uh, looking slightly like that fellow Fayaxon. So thanks for that, Stephen, just to give us a wee bit of a light-hearted start. I want to talk about the treble before we get into managerial candidates, uh, the type of manager you want to see, the names that you've looked at and thought, no chance, and other ones that you think, actually, I'm quite interested in that. Um, so let's talk about the achievement, Alan, the achievement of that treble. Um, the way that Ange has turned round our fortunes in two seasons... Um, it's interesting, I think, that after the event he's talking about, didn't really expect to win the league in season one. I thought that would have been catastrophic had we not won it because of what would have happened elsewhere. But it's been overshadowed, hasn't it, Alan, over the last week? Absolutely. I mean, it's um, sort of manna from heaven, really, isn't it, for many of the, the news outlets that completely ignore the eighth treble and uh, concentrate on the, the, the chaos at, uh, at Celtic Park and et cetera. So, but listen, yeah, and it's a shame. It is a real shame that we're not talking about, you know, an, another successful uh, season um, because of that uncertainty. Um, and yeah, we should, we, 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 and we, we didn't even really get a chance to pause and celebrate. I mean, it was great at Hamden on Saturday. There was a joyous uh, mood. Uh, you know, people were happy around the city for sure. Um, but, you know, as a support, have we really been able to kind of have a proper celebration about that achievement no probably not and 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 you know trebles aren't easy i mean eight even in a in a in a in a, in a small pond like uh, like scotland you know you know obviously eight's eight's not a big number over 100 nearly 150 years is it so um, i know the league cup's only been been uh, in 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 operation since 1948 but still so it's a great achievement it should be celebrated it was done playing you know attacking uh, thrilling attacking football I think you know Celtic scored something like seventeen goals, and there only five Scottish Cup ties. You know we scored plenty of goals in winning the League Cup. I think in the League Cup we only played. I might be wrong, but I think in the League Cup certainly we only played other Premier League teams. So we had a, mm. had a hard draw. We've had to beat our nearest rivals to win both both cups. So I think it's uh, yeah we should absolutely take time uh, to celebrate. And I'm not going to um, put a butt in there to sort of put context of what's happened since I think we should just you know celebrate that that achievement and, and be happy for it and and take the time to do that the, the other thing that I've heard Peter and I'll, I'll come to yourself is um mainly you know fans of other clubs and, and and you know looking at Celtic and saying you know ah oh, you must get bored winning you don't you absolutely don't get bored winning and I think what's interesting about that Scottish Cup side there um correct me if I'm wrong but the starting starting 11 there was only two players in that starting 11 who had won a Scottish Cup previously and, and Greg Taylor and Callum McGregor. Um, so th there is no boredom in success, Peter. I think we really do need to celebrate it, um, as Stephen said and as Alan has said as well. Um, it has sli been slightly overshadowed, but we'll look back on the campaign as being a hugely successful one. You know, there's people who had never seen, like myself, never seen a treble until Martin O'Neill won it in 2000, 2001. Brendan Rodgers almost normalised treble winning, um, but we should never and we never will take it for granted, will we? No, it's so difficult. Anything can happen in any game, especially in cup games. So when you put that into context, you just think, uh, especially with, with VAR being in this season and refereeing decisions, uh, the way they've been going, you're thinking, 
anything can happen. So it is so difficult to win a treble, you know, red cards, penalties, things like that. So when you take that into consideration, to go the whole season, win every every cup is just unbelievable. I was watching it because we were slightly expected to win the final. I think there was a slight dampen, dampened mood from my end because I was like, I was watching it and I had listening to all the things that Ange had said previously and I just wasn't getting sort of confident vibes. That sort of did overshadow it. And I think once a new manager's in place and... You know, the machine starts rolling again and uh, players are starting to get linked and things like that. You, you will look back and you will look at that season and think the way we played, the amount of goals, three goals on average per game and uh, and to win a treble is just unbelievable from where. And I always have to remember where we were um, in that COVID season. And <clears throat> a lot of noise for across the city this, this whole season. And you would think that they'd won, won something, they've won nothing and we've won a treble. Another treble in the bag, world record. Um, so, oh, you'll never, you'll never get tired of winning, especially when you've got people across the city uh, throwing, throwing stones. So, um, long may it continue. And uh, and this is why it's very important. I think the unfortunate thing with Ange leaving is, like being you, I think Paul and a few few of the other guys and girls uh, probably thought we're in a great position to strengthen. Uh, we've got a lot of money in the bank. All, all the things that go into that. We, if we keep Ange, we can progress. Going to Europe, and then I like we've always said, Europe takes care of the league. If you if you're playing well and you've got a strong enough team for Europe, you should be winning the league. So you don't want the the board to regress and go backwards. You want them to for, uh, think forwards and uh, approach a new manager with a with a new vision or a, a vision that can take this team forward. So I but um, no nope, never get tired of winning. Uh, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I should have at the time, but I'll certainly. I'll certainly enjoy it in the coming months. That that's what will happen though, because uh, like everything, you look back on these moments. You you live them. You absolutely live the moments, but then you look back on them and you do start to notice different things, different elements, um, knowing the full story. And we'll look back on the the Scottish Cup final, Brian, and we'll look at the faces of Dermot Desmond and Peter Lobel. Um, we'll look at the embrace of certain players with a gaffer and and we'll maybe start looking at Ange and how he was after it. But one thing I was I was at pains to point it out because I truly believe this. And I know that in the comment section on the, on the YouTube, some people disagreed with us and that's fair enough. That's what we welcome. I, I mean, w- with everything that's happened, Brian, I don't look at Ange and think, oh, you're at it on the, on the part. He's celebrating this remarkable achievement that we've just been talking about. He's the manager. It's his achievement as much as it's the team's and, and he's enjoying it. That's simply what he's doing. I mean, there was no messaging pounding your chest to say, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of my team. So that's one thing I don't think I will read too much into, Brian, even after the event. No, absolutely not. Um, and just a, a word on the treble, like, I think that it'll be, I think I said this before, it'll be years before we appreciate the treble, I think. I think in years to come, we'll be looking back and saying, oh, do you remember the football Big Ange played? Remember we won a treble that season? And then you start to, when we stop winning them, if that happens, that's when you start appreciating them more. So I don't think it's a case of being spoiled or being used to it. I just think it's it, it, it's so sad. Like if you'd have told 1999, Brian, that we'd be winning, what, six more trebles? By the time I was nearly 40, you wouldn't believe it. I said nearly 40, so I'm clinging on for dear life until the, the day <laughs> happens. Um, it's, no, it's no sore, mate. It's not, no, well, it's no sore. 
Um, a few 50 right enough, so I don't know if that helps. But um, so yeah, so I, I think I don't think you're gonna get tired of winning it, but I don't think it'll be truly appreciated for a while yet. And in terms of Ange, as I said earlier, I don't wish him any sort of ill will. I think look, if we're being realistic about it, see if Ange would have see the last three games prior to the, the Aberdeen game, we were really poor. See if the first six games the next season had started that way, he'd get sacked probably. Football's ruthless both ways. See me players when when I remember some of the reaction when when um, Tierney left, he's a traitor and blah 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 blah. You kind of look at it like that; it's nonsense. And and I don't think Ange, to your point, when I was waiting to dupe anyone. You know, I think if anything, he, he purposely never said he was definitely staying. So I, I don't think I think there's a lot of uh, people are obviously a bit hot and stuff like that. But I um I, you got to look at it. From a professional perspective as well, the guy's 58. He's got a chance to be the first Australian to manage in the Premier League, make history again. You know, you, you can't really deny it. And again, he's left us with five trophies after two years. So I don't think we can wish him any, any ill will, in my opinion. You know, that, that trailblazing aspect of it, he's out there trailblazing for, obviously, the, for, for his country, really. Um, that, that does come into it. And some people might think, and it's a, a word that Ange used himself, that, that it's selfish. But in this world, you've got to be selfish at, at certain points. You know, it's, sometimes that isn't really a weakness. It's something that, you know, that overcomes any kind of love affair that he had with Celtic. And I do, I do believe that he had a love affair. I, oh. I really do believe the words he said afterwards, buying about him being a fan of this football club. A hundred percent. And the thing is, as well, what everyone needs to remember, see anyone that's really, really successful, whether it's in football, business, whatever, they've got to be ruthless and they've got to be a bit selfish. If you're a player, you've got to do it as well. So, you know, it can, two things can be true at one time. It could absolutely have fallen in love with Celtic and consider to be a fan, but also have to look at his own ambition and his own family. So, you know, these things are mutually exclusive. You don't have to pick one or the other. And I just think it's it's important that people remember that, you know, because I remember he wasn't the first choice either for us, and a lot of people were really skeptical when he came in. And it's if you look at look at John Kennedy, I think people are now wondering, was oh, Kennedy going to leave two seasons ago? He was he was one of the pictures on the wall. I'd be wanting to So football is very fickle, and I think sometimes we just need to wind our neck in a wee bit about it. At some point, Brian, I'm going to go back to the kind of reaction uh, shows that we did around about the time of Angie's announcement and, and maybe actually put something up on the blog, axom.net, because I, I do remember you being amongst the biggest champions of, of Ange Postecoglou back there. So fair play to you. And there is Roddy Frame. So I don't know, were you in the into Aztec camera, Alan? Well, yeah, that's, I guess that's sort of, uh, you know, post-punk new wave. That's all, all my sort of stuff. So absolutely, yeah, he, 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 he is very uh, young and good-looking in that photograph, uh, Paul, so I wouldn't get too excited. <laughs> no, you're right. And I, I never ever seem to pout as much as that, not to my knowledge. Anyway, there was a there was a mention earlier on about how we've just won the treble, right? World record eighth treble. And I keep saying that, world record eighth treble, right? Because other people love talking about world record uh, trophy halls. But, Alan, doesn't it really just show you the levels? Um, I know that... People have gone on about the Espanolification of a certain other team in Glasgow. And, you know, when all they've got this summer is to try and search Twitter to have a laugh at Celtic fans, you think, what are you laughing at? We just won the treble, man, you know? I we're going to bring in a new manager. That, that's, that, that was maybe just a wee bump in the road, maybe slightly unexpected. However, 
look at where we are. Um, but I think more than ever, that really does highlight the levels uh, within Glasgow's big two. Yeah, I mean, listen, for all it's disappointing and highly disruptive to a disorganised organisation to have this, the manager leave, you know, the new manager is coming in to, uh, let's like say, a team that's just won a world record eighth treble, is, um, has a squad of players with plenty of value in it. There's no sort of contract bombshells, people running out of contract and leaving for nothing. There's none of that. Um, there's value in the squad. There's money in the bank. You know, it's it's a very you know, Champions League football on offer, etc. So this is a fantastic opportunity for someone to to come into. Um, having said all that, you know we can't get complacent because, unfortunately, you know, and and you know, again, just to put a bit of context onto the treble, you know, they have become more prevalent uh, over the last few years. Some of that is to do with the the fact that you know, so you know, it's it's the Fergus McCann um, legacy, fifty five thousand season ticket holders. It, it absolutely dwarfs every other club. Um, you've got to add on to that the match day bounty, and then you know, where Celtic have been reasonably proficient is in their commercial operations, and again our commercial performance dwarfs that of, of every other team. So you add all that together, and, and in, in a Scottish context, that's an incredibly successful football club. Um, however, unfortunately. Um, you know, one of the reasons, for, as I say, for all those trebles is is that the most of the rest of Scottish football has not sort of grown or developed in the same way. I mean, it's it's incredibly frustrating that that you know you see you see a lot of journalists you know clicking you know putting out rubbish for likes on Twitter or, you know or more or less saying like you said earlier oh it must get boring you know oh Celtic won five nil today you know not much of an achievement all that kind of stuff. The what I would be think or what I would be saying is 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 you know Hearts, Hibs, you know Aberdeen, Dundee United, you know you've got the potential to be big sides. Why do you continually, mm-hmm. you know, pick the wrong manager? Why do you continually buy poor players? Why don't you, you know, build your football clubs up? Why don't you find investment, etc.? That to me is the biggest issue, um, and and that hasn't happened. And then we know we've got a rival that will spend all the money they don't have to try and keep keep up with Celtic. But the problem that, that we've got and why I'm focusing on the league this se- next season and the Champions League bounty at the end of it is as much as we are you know, financially and on the park and off the park, miles ahead of, of the Ibrox club and, and, it's gonna, and that graph is only going to grow year on year because of the financial disparity, what it comes down to at the end of the day, though, because the other teams are so poor and so disorganised and so weak, is they only need to get two two wins and a draw against us, and we could lose the league, despite all of that mm-hmm. massive advantage that yeah. we have. And that's the reality of it. And it's because of you know the general weakness, um, you know, as I say, within these other clubs. If they could only, you know, come up with a coherent strategy, you know, small clubs around Europe do this. I mean, a lot of talk about you know Newtson at, at, at Bodo Glimt. Do you think Bodo Glimt? Bodo Glimt are from a town the size of Falkirk, right? You know, they got to a European semi-final. Why cannot from a country that, you know, and who wants to go and play in the Arctic Circle, right? Surely, you know, Edinburgh is a much more attractive place to play football or Aberdeen or what have you than than the northern extremes of Norway. So there is no reason that these clubs cannot um, better themselves and make Scottish football more uh, competitive. But as it stands today, because it isn't, this is it actually heightens the risk for Celtic, despite the fact 
we've built up this huge advantage over our nearest rivals. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Listen, I think that uh, very succinctly um, explains where we are. And I think the biggest disappointment for me when I look at Scottish football is always in the capital. It's always in the capital. Those two clubs have underachieved for decades, Alan. Absolutely. And then you start switching your attentions to a club like Queen's Park, right? Now, people will say, ah, but they've had loads of money chucked at them. Well, not in terms of on the park, they've not, because they've actually started looking at recruitment. They've started looking at data analysis. um, And, you know, the way they're using data is, is frightening. And they're also looking at youth development. And I think that what they've shown is if you get some of these elements right, you can absolutely race through the divisions. They almost got, I mean, they almost, they were one win against Dundee from winning the league. Uh, they almost got promoted. I think it was probably a bridge too far, actually, at this stage of their development. But what they show is what can be done, Alan, if you just get a lot of the basics right. But these clubs are just chopping and changing all the time. Talking of chopping and changing, and I'm really keen to get some more comments up on the board um, as well. I want to talk about what was your thoughts you know, prior to Ange leaving in terms of what this team needed in the summer. Uh, and let's talk about that as well, because there might be a couple, maybe more, uh, leaving the club as well. Paddy Lavery, afternoon to you, sir. I hope you are doing very well. Um, Richard Murray's having a conversation about Yakamakis and his departure being very odd. Uh, that ship has now sailed. But in my view, it should never have. Maybe one day we will learn the full ins and outs of that deal. I was saying that to Alan before we came on as well. Sometimes you learn all the juicy details much uh, later um, in the day, unfortunately. And Bill McCabe, welcome to the show, Bill. I now think that the Tommy Burns quote was a reminder that we are the most important aspect of the club and maybe a warning not to put too much trust in managers and players. He did warn us not to get too attached to our heroes. We just didn't think he was talking about himself. Um, and we've also got Northampton, Tim. Welcome back. Uh, Knutson, why he's still in Norway if he's the coach he claims to be. By the way, I don't think he's claiming to be the coach. I think what he's done is sensational. I was looking at um, some of the similarities uh, between him and Ronnie Dyla in that they uh, took what would probably be described, as you say, Alan, as a provincial club and turned them into elite champions in Norway. Um, obviously, Ronnie did it with a club whose name I, I can never pronounce properly, Stromgodset, but I don't know if that's the, the right way to pronounce it. Um, and obviously, he was an up-and-coming gaffer when Celtic went for him. Um, he had never managed outside of Norway. Knutson's the same at this stage. But it does look as though there are other clubs interested in him, Ajax being quoted as being a, an admirer. And no wonder when you look at what he's done, not just domestically, but you know that season where they knocked us out, they'd already beaten Roma 6-1. They went to Italy, Jose Mourinho's Roma, drew 2-H over in Italy. 
uh, eventually were knocked out by Roma, um, who went on to win the tournament. So I think he is one to keep an eye on. Whether or not we're going to be that bold, I don't know. Um, let's talk about what you were thinking coming into this preseason. then. Peter, I'll start with yourself uh, in relation to what we were going to be doing you know, with the squad, where it needed strengthening, where where do you think we were going to be tinkering with? Has anything changed since Angie's departure? Hi, so um, I think it just all, all depended on uh, who was going to leave. So you have to sort of gauge that with transfers in and out. Um, but I think with the position we were in, we would have required, I would have liked to have seen a striker, midfielder, another centre-back, possibly a left-back. Um just through the spine of the team, possibly the goalkeeper situation as well. So maybe like five, six players. But um, again, like we were talking about when Andrew's here, we wanted to improve. So maybe instead of buying two point two three million pound players, pay pay five to six million pound for those those players and really invest in the team to go into Europe. Um, it's difficult to say. You know, a new manager might like a lot of the players that are there. They might see it in a different way. So. I think we need strengthening. Uh, I think you always want to go into a into a summer, and if you expect to sort of buy people, good regardless if they're good or bad, you just want to see a bit of movement in the squad. Um, there's a few weaker players that I think could probably move on. A, pro- a few players that will probably think their futures lie elsewhere. Um, very important, I think, if we sell one or two of our bigger bigger assets, that we get full value for them, mm. because I think um, Juranovic and Yakimakis left, in my opinion for far too little money. And um, if we want to progress, we want, we need to be getting, you know, I might, might be pie in the sky stuff, but, um, you know, 20 to 30 million for players or I think the 15 million sort of mark and below is sort of too low, especially for some of the players you see get moved about down in England to average players for a lot of big money. Um, so I, I think um, we need to maximise our value in the market and if we're going to sell some big players, and we really need to reinvest that in the squad. I think that's an interesting point in that some of the players obviously have been linked to the EPL, Brian, and that's where, uh, that's the land of milk and honey, isn't it? That's where it's all happening. That's where the money is. Um, and I've got to say, yeah, there was a disappointment with Yakimakis and Juranovic and the fees that we got. Um, and I think the club were probably looking at it going, yeah, but we made a profit of whatever, you know, what, what what was the profit? Five, six million pounds over the, the two deals. Um, but I'm a bit like Peter in that if someone was to go down, I, I'm not looking at it like a Chris Sayer or an Odson Edward situation or even a, a Christie situation because these guys are on good contracts and, and it's not like a post-pandemic situation where a lot of clubs were hedging their bets with the finances. Uh, they're at the kind of peak of their powers. Celtic I'm talking about here, if, if we have to go into any negotiations with any of the players mentioned. Now, by the way, I'd much rather keep them all I loathe to lose quality. That's why I was annoyed when Angela left to a quality gaffer, you know, and I, I'm, I'm loath to lose a quality player. But if one or two were to leave, we've got to do the business properly, and, and particularly if they're going to the EPL, Brian. Absolutely. And look, the reality is, and it's it's not something, you know, that feels great talking about, but every player in that squad's got its price. And if we offer the good offer, we need to take it. It's just the nature of the club we are. We have to. We got offered the right amount, and I think previously we've you touched on it with like Edward and Ayer. We've sold too late. You know, we, we need to sell, sort of sell at the optimum time, and then you know if we do that, we get the money, we can reinvest it, and then this where it goes back to my point earlier about it's going to be interesting 
what this summer looks like because, you know, we touched on what Peter said about players coming in. So I think our goalkeeper's an absolute essential. Mm. I think a Carter Vickers level centre-back's an absolute essential. And I would have said a couple of midfielders. The reason being, I think uh, David Turnbull's an excellent footballer. I think he's really, really good. But it wasn't an Ange footballer. But Ange is the there now. So do we need a new midfielder after all? Maybe the style will set the change a bit. Maybe there'll be players that are there that are good enough. Maybe Joe Hart won't need to play the ball out with his feet. We simply don't know at this stage. But it's quite a bit interesting to see. But irrespective of that, we the transfer fees for players then that we absolutely have to sell at the right time. Um, and again, where, where the board does need credit and this isn't into the range, is tying down the players on longer contracts. And that's why I've, I've got a bit of hope that, you know, there's, there's things behind the scenes and the infrastructure is a lot better now than it was. Um, maybe I've just been optimistic, but that's, that's sort of my take on it. I think we're in a good place. And yeah, if something comes in for a player, regardless of who it is, and it's good money, I think we need to take it. Now, I'm going to read out a comment here, and I don't want any of these players to leave, by the way. And this podcast, this show, this broadcast is not about us trying to get rid of all our talented players. Uh, but we have had that warning already from Ange prior to him leaving um, about you know one or two. That was That's what he said, one or two might be leaving in the summer. Um, and now that he's away down south, you know, you add two and two up, you think there's going to be a Spurs raid, etc. However, some of these guys will be getting interest from the EPL. Now, Alan, I'm going to come to you. Uh, because you work with data, you work with figures. Um, this is kind of going back to a point Peter made earlier. Michael, the boy, comes in and says, Jota, Kyogo, Hitati, or at least 20 million plus. I mean, is that something that you deem realistic when you start looking at figures? I know Kyogo, um, in terms of the optimum value of that player with his age, etc., is probably now, is 20 million pound achievable, do you think, for a player at Celtic? I think it's probably achievable. I mean, listen, you know, there is no magic formula to calculate a player's value. Um, you know, I think transfermarket.com, <laughs> uh, I've got a panel of people that do that. And if you look at their Scottish valuations, they're quite, come, come, some of them are quite hilarious, but um, there's other factors at play there. So listen, you know, it's an, it's an imprecise uh, art. It's not a science, you know, it's ultimately each player is worth whatever the market, you know, um, will will pay for them. That's that's really what it comes down to, and you know it's like anything. You know, as a parent, you think your kids are are the best looking, most intelligent kids, so you think they're worth more than than anybody else. But lots of things come into it. You know, how well organised is that club in terms of, you know, are they a Brentford or a, or a, or a Brighton who uh, are very specific about the talent that they're looking for, both in terms of age profile wage point, um, resale, potential resale value, and how they'll fit into a precise way of playing. Other teams are a complete you know, mess, like you know Everton or what have you, just going to buy anyone if they think it'll stop them from getting relegated and, and, and everything in between. So there's all manner of factors that could, could impact a player's value on that. So that's why it's really, really difficult. It really comes down to what, what someone is willing to pay. But you know, having said all that, as I say, Celtic don't have any players... Of note, I don't think they're coming into the last year of their contract. Most players are on at least who 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 would think are our top talents are at least on two plus years to go. So we're in a strong position in terms of if anybody wants to buy them. Um, I'm going to be probably inviting a lot of negativity now on my back if I say I would be astonished if Tottenham came in for any of our team because I'm not sure how many of them would actually improve Tottenham. In all honesty. 
Um, you know, I think even Kyogo is a highly specific style of forward and he would mm. fit into the right team for sure. But is that the way Tottenham play? You know, they've got three very kind of clever interlinking forwards who kind of drift about the park and, and look for space as opposed to, you know, Kyogo, who's an absolute you know ghost in the penalty box. It's a very different style of forward. Um, you know, my, one of my issues has been the nagging thing, and, and it's not me being smart after the event. If you want to go back and listen to Huddle Breakdown over the season, we've been having this sort of nagging feeling of we're buying players that are great fits to the system that mm. we're playing, but are we buying the best quality players? And they're two two slightly different things, okay? I think the players that we've bought in many cases fit well into the system. Someone like a Dyson Maeda would be a great example. Uh, if we, With a new manager and a slightly different way of playing, um, would those players be as effective? And, and are we actually buying the best talent that, that, that we can? I mean, again, look at the evidence. To me, there was a huge gap between the between Celtic and you know the, the, especially Real Madrid and and Leipzig now you might say well that's obvious but that's the challenge for Celtic is to close that gap that's the challenge ahead of us um i think we had a long way to go and i think we do have a long way to go to get there i think we matched Shakhtar very well but Shakhtar is a team that's been you know pillaged as far as their top talent is is concerned because of the, the you know the sad circumstances of their their country so that is the challenge ahead of us. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think we've got especially a massive, massive deficit in central midfield around the athleticism, the power, the strength, allied to the technical capability of the players that we've got. Arguably, Matt O'Reilly, and I'm going by his pressing stats here, is probably the only one that comes close to uh, having that top end. If you're going to play a high pressing style, he's the he's the one that you would you would kind of build build around in that regard. So I think there's a lot of challenges there to, to reach that level. But that's that's I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying is self-evident. You know we are a long way from the gap. You know since we've lost in the Champions League, the gap has only grown to those teams. So you know I think we have got value in the squad. We can sell for big money, but I would like again to see us being being more. Um, you know hopefully building a, a better scouting network to get more rounded players into the squad that actually helps us to close that gap. I think we've done a great job supporting the manager, supporting Ange. Um, he was very big on saying that he bought the player, the man first and the player second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I think it's, it's a great philosophy, but sometimes you just need to up the quality of the squad. Even if you take on a Marty bastard into your team, if it makes the squad better, you manage it. That's what you're paid to do. You're paid to manage egos and alpha males. That's the job. Right, so you know that—that's my take on it. I, I don't mean to sort of sound negative. There is value in the squad. We could get a lot of money for for some players for sure, but but we need to also not be wedded to the idea that just because Ange's system was fantastically effective, that all the individual component players individually are off the same levels. I think Ange was great because he made the sum of the parts far more effective than the individuals. Is my view. No, I think Maeda is a very good example of that that um, argument as well, Alan. Nicholas McDade, world record treble is unbelievable. I was there. Yes, enjoy it. Enjoy it all the way through the summer. Um, but obviously we will be talking about managerial comings and goings and players coming and going outside uh, Celtic Park as well. And Danielle F, people need to stop telling others they can't be angry about Ange Postecoglou leaving. Football is an emotional game. Many of us on here are Celtic is our life. If we want to be annoyed, we can be annoyed. You're right. You can be annoyed, absolutely. And um, I think annoyance is one of the emotions that I've felt at some point this week. Um, 
And disappointment. I was disappointed that the big fella left because I was enjoy I was enjoying his time here and I thought that we could have actually improved further. I was looking forward to seeing how we performed Danielle in the Champions League next season, for example. I'm going to be talking at some point in the next 10 minutes about the legacy of Ange Bostokoglu and some of the things that, you know what, he didn't do as well. Um, as and, and we'll we'll be looking at that as well. Um, Alan Woods, oh, the 80s, absolutely. I was more of an Adam and the Ants man, I've got to say, than um, Aztec Camera. Um, without the makeup, I've got to say, but I was I, I was into Adam Ant, Alan. Ian Crichton, emotional attachments to managers or players in 2023 is a fool's errand, says Ian. Enjoy when they're here, take the money when they leave. <laughs> okay, uh, one player, one player that, um, I find very interesting because I was talking to Stuart Cosgrove. There's a big name drop. There's the Claxon, big name drop, who said that he'd been brilliant for St. Johnston. He's been absolutely superb for St. Johnston since he went there on loan. Um, he does reckon he could make the step back to Celtic. Um, and it got me thinking, you know, when Ange Postacoglu came to the club, Peter, I'll come to you first on this one. And he revitalised some players' careers, didn't he? I mean, he saved some players' careers. Uh, do you think there's anybody in our squad who maybe wasn't really fancied by Ange, that might have a career now that somebody else is coming in? Well, you've got um, Ralston's turnaround was unbelievable and Taylor's turnaround. They're the two that, uh, that stick out to me because I think there's a few question marks. But, uh, I mean, you've got Turnbull, who's always been in and out of the squad. He was never really fancied by Ange. I'm just trying, I'm sort of thinking of like Scottish-based uh, players like, you know, Mikey Johnson and things like that. Um, I would like, I mean, for example, I've sort of probably too early to make my mind up on Burnaby, but I've not been impressed with what I've seen. And if it was a case of putting, you know, a young guy in there, would I rather be Montgomery, you know, at left back to give him him the opportunity? But um, I, and there's obviously, Angie's integrated a few youngsters towards the end of the season, like Summers and, and Vata. So I think he gave people an opportunity. Um but they had to deserve it. And uh, it would just be interesting. Again, it's such a difficult situation to, to judge how it's going to go forward because we need to understand the manager that we're going to get in and what his sort of philosophy will be looking forward. And the, the names that have been getting bandied about are so different. You know, Moyes, Nutz and Rogers, things like that. Um, they've got different philosophies generally. So mm. we won't know the type of players that would suit them. But... Um, Aye, so it's just going to be an interesting uh, interesting season going forward. Um, I just think it um, happened too soon uh, with Ange. I think we all wanted a wee bit more, but Ange has been beneficial for Celtic, but, and Celtic have been beneficial for Ange. So I think we part ways uh, a wee bit too soon, but we have benefited each other uh, in the long term. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I would. I mean, I guess the one player whose name's already been mentioned, Brian, that might be looking at this situation saying, oh, by the way, if a manager comes in, my Celtic here may well be resurrected. Is David Turnbull, perhaps? Is there anybody else you can think of? Um, <clears throat> it's hard to say. I mean, it really depends on the, the, the manager that comes in. I think, could you see, you know, Stevie Welsh getting another chance as backup? I'm not sure. And look, it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, to Alan's earlier point, David Turnbull might not be the answer, the answer moving forward. But, the reality is we just don't know what the situation is going to be like you know it, it, like look at Callum McGregor he, some new manager might think he's much better further forward in which yeah. case he might to make him in and be the star of the show in that position 
or maybe he might like a double pivot and might like O'Reilly dropping back a wee bit. You just don't know how it's going to work out. So it really is hard to tell. But I think in there in is the excitement around it. I think that's why it's 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 going to be really interesting either way, right? Because we're always going to be kind of second guessing mm-hmm. what we think it's going to look like um, and how we think it's going to be. Um, and and just the, the last word on Angela even is that I think I think everyone's gutted about it. But just I suppose the way I see it is that no manager or players bigger than Celtic. And I'm always more interested in how Celtic move forward as opposed to what an individual does. So, you know, for that say Kyogo went in the summer, I'd be gutted because he's a cracking player. But I wouldn't dwell on it because we need to see who's best for Celtic and what happens with us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the constant. The club's the constant. It's not the and I said it myself. It's not the, the players, it's not the manager, it's not your heroes, it's the club. So that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, and then, yeah, again, big question marks who the manager's going to be. To Alan's point as well, unsigned players, uh, people, no players, which is a big thing, it worked. But what if the players don't like the manager? What if the managers don't like their attitude or their personality or it doesn't quite mesh with the system? There's so many like unquantifiable things that could happen mm. that affects a player's performance or a system of play or a way of going. So, you know, you can second guess and, and Turnbull might have a Ralston-like transformation under a new manager. He may not have. You just don't know his reality. So I think you kind of have to almost take a step back and just say, look, we don't know what's going to happen. This is what would like to happen and go for there. It's the same with the arguments about who the new manager is going to be. You know, no one's going to agree on it. And I think it always depends on the... The, the situation has to be your choices, but ultimately, no one knew who Ange was. And I think we always have to bear that in mind. Yeah, and I am going to ask you before the end of the show who you would go for at this stage of the game. All right, is it going to be one of the names that you've seen all over the press in the last week, or is it somebody completely different who you like the look of? And I'm going to bring this in from Rhea McGurk. Uh, I think his Tommy Burns quote was a misfired attempt to pay tribute to us as the fans, the constant, the people who will support through thick and thin. I think when you watch it back, you absolutely do get a sense of that, uh, Ria. So thanks for sharing that as well. And Jim Kerr is saying, just don't buy into the grift. Never fall for a badge thumper. Um, I think I've said this week, it's time to get ruthless. It's time to get ruthless on us. What can we get out of this individual for the, the betterment of Celtic Football Club? And that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, you know, ask me that in a year's time, and whether or not we've won another treble, I'm in, back in love with Brendan Rodgers. I'll answer it at the point. Anyway, Alan, talking about the new gaffer, um, we've all seen the odds. They're up and down. We're sharing them on the WhatsApp groups. We're reading it on social media. It is the biggest story in the world of Celtic. Of course it is. And every one of us, as Brian says, has got our own kind of like views on it. Who we like, who we would like at Celtic, who do we think would be a left-field appointment, um, or do we go for something that's a wee bit safer? Are we going to... You know, tap into the city group's contact base, possibly. Is that a bad thing? Of course it isn't, right? So what do you think, Alan? Where are you when it comes to who is the perfect fit for Celtic following Ange? Yeah, sure. So just very one quick clarification. When I was just just to make things be very clear, right? When I was talking about player quality and my perceived deficit, I was talking using Europe and the Champions League as a benchmark, not not Scottish football, right? So clearly the players that were brought in have been brought in over the last years are more than capable and have been capable of performing excellently at that level. I'm talking about the gap to Champions League football as the benchmark. I believe that should be our benchmark. Our benchmark shouldn't be across the city. Our benchmark should be at that level. So anyway, yeah. 
sorry about that. Just wanted to clarify. Um, back to the question. So, you know, I need to be consistent with what I said on that little breakdown. There might be people that watch both. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, I, I come back to I come back to um, you know clear all the clutter out of your head. What is the priority? To me, the priority is to win the league this season and get into the Champions League again. What is the least risk option to get us there? And and for me, for me, in terms of the, listen, there's a thousand thousands of managers and wannabe managers out there. So I'm not going to, you know, I could easily come up with a left field hipster name just to try and look smart. But in terms of the ones that have been kind of, um, you know, in the in the frame, as it were, then to me, you know, Brendan Rodgers is the obvious is the obvious choice in terms of a safe a safe pair of hands, if you like. I mean. You know, as I say, as I said during the week, you could make the case for him being Leicester City's best ever manager. Um, I know Ranieri won the Premier League, but he finished fifth, fifth, and eighth in his first three seasons. He was only a couple of points off Champions League football. Uh, Leicester City have never had as consistent top level finishes uh, since the 1920s. Um, and you know, yes, it went pear shaped in the fourth year. But given the financial constraints that he's been working under, he's having he's been, he was having to lose a top player every season and then mm-hmm. buy lesser players. And you know, and again, four years is that too long anyway, sort of thing. So inevitably it all kind of crashed in the end. But for three years, not only did he put together the best run of Leicester City performances, and bear in mind that was a number of years after they won the Premier League. Uh, he also won them the FA Cup for the first time in their history, and he took them to a European semi-final. So you know. And he didn't want. He didn't lose a single trophy in Scotland. So, to me, he's the safest pair of hands. Uh, all all of the things being equal, and um, I, I get all of the cynicism and I get all of the resentment and towards him and what have you. But you know, if you don't know by now that football is a nasty, venal, horrible business, as much as it is a beautiful game, then you, you know you've not been paying attention. So, he would be my first choice in terms of what makes sense, and again, what de risks. If you want a manager that's come in and taken an Ange Postacoglu set of players and turned them into winners when Ange is gone, then Kevin Muscat's done that twice. He's done it at Melbourne and he's done it at Yokohama. So again, that feels like a, a relatively safe pair of hands in terms of the job that we're asking you to do. You've done it twice already. So that, that to me, de-risks, as I say, what should be the target for the year. In terms of the other managers, some of them are really interesting. You know, Iraola um, is interesting. Uh, the... Um, the Italian guy whose name I've now forgotten uh, is it, it both interesting. You know, they're both Graham Potter. I would put in the same bracket of people who have done really well at small clubs. Does that scale up to a club the size of Celtic? Where you're expected to win every single game. Don't know. Um, someone like Newton. Uh, if I was a you know if I was a senior recruiter, and and I saw Newton, my question would be exactly what I think Northampton Tim said on the comments. You've been successful in, in Norway for about five or six years. You're 52 years old. Why are you still there? That'd be the, the question I'd ask him. He might have a great answer for that, and I might buy his answer. But I'm just saying that's the question. And then finally, there's, there seems to be a group of managers like Maresca, where it seems like Celtic are being asked to be the work experience playground for City Group employees. And Maresca might be brilliant. Burrell might be brilliant. All these other names might be brilliant. Buckingham, whatever. They may be brilliant, I don't know, but I'm just looking at it through the lens of what is going to de-risk getting us to that league title next season. Listen, it may, as you say, divide opinion, Alan. I'll come to my opinion at the end of the show. Uh, but yeah, very, very interesting and uh, well 
put as well. Actually, DC mentions Mikey Johnson. If someone like Brennan Rogers was to come back to the club, a player like Mikey Johnson's future might be completely different. Uh, and Alan Woods, before I come to Peter and ask you your view on the next manager, Peter Allen says uh, the first 45 he bought was stand and deliver from John Menzies when it came out. The first one I owned, I was too young to buy it. It was given to me by a neighbour was Kings of the World Frontier. And I think I've still got it, actually. Um, so there you go. A wee bit of the old uh, Adam and the Ants, Alan. Um, you, you're in a wee bit of that. Nice one. Peter, absolutely, absolutely. We've got Lawrence Conley saying Davey Moyes. Liam Carrigan would go for Kevin Muscat. Alan Morrison saying Brennan Rogers. What about yourself? I do not have one clue. There's too many names. <laughs> I don't know. There's too many names and, I, you know, like we went down the sort of rabbit hole with the Eddie Howe thing and I'm a person that likes to get information on the managers that are going to be at Celtic and there's just too many pe- people, too many names, too many possibilities to start looking at everyone. So once it starts, you know, like betting odds start changing and there's a real list of candidates, maybe two or three people that it really is going to be, then I'll start getting more more intrigued, but it's, it's a bit of a whirlwind situation at the minute, uh, just waiting. I think, I never thought I'd see Rogers back, but I have to bear in mind, when he left, I wasn't really cussing him. I, he gave us two trebles in a row, and won his other cup, the, the, the League Cup before he left, and we were ahead in the league. So I was looking at it in a positive sense. I wasn't obviously happy how, how, it, all, um, how it all broke down, but um, like you have to look at what he gave us, so like I've always said, that if he had offered us that before he came, you would have put his hand off for it. So, um, But I never thought the way he left that, that Celtic fans would have him back. Um, but, you know, time's a healer and uh, things change. And possibly the way Ange has left, which I don't think there's any, any issue for me, the way he's left, because he's won a treble and he's left at the end of the season. And I'm glad that he'd done it, uh, you know, straight away. So we've got plenty of time to, to look um, over the summer for a new candidate, um, but I, uh, I think, I my mind is actually coming around. It's maybe Rogers, but like Alan says, it's all about the league. I, I don't care really who's in charge as long as I think I think we have to play attack and football for a start. We have to keep that going because the fans and the and the the players that we've got there are used to that type of football and they enjoy it. And I think the fans need to see that. That's what Celtic fans demand. So an attacking manager with a wee bit of flair. And I think just in my mind's eye, I remember playing Bodo Glimt and I remember watching how they played and thinking mm. I'd love I'd love Celtic to play like this. Bear in mind it was one or two games. Obviously, you can't take uh, too much from that. But the way they played, I, I, I thought if Celtic could play, play like this, it would be unbelievable. So... I think I've always got maybe a soft spot for Knudsen. Again, why is he not been at different clubs? But it's different from Ange. He, he, Ange did win uh, the, the Asian Cup, I think it was, when it was Australia. Um, but Ange was sort of a provincial, like we didn't know him and he was in he was in J- Japan at the time. So you could maybe look at uh, similarities to that. I'd probably say if you're asking me for names, my top two, uh, Knudsen or Rogers, I, I, like you say about the Man City links, I don't like the thought of a club the size of Celtic being, you know, somebody's first job. And uh, and we talk about Muscat, an ex-Rangers player. And, and are we going to be married to the Ange style for the rest of our lives? I, I, we have to move on at some point, so we can't just get people to keep replicating an Ange style. Uh, so I think 
probably Knudsen or Rogers for me. I like it. I like it. And and by the way, there is a lot of names. You're you're spot on. There's a lot of names. I've not gone back yet, Brian, to watch the performances. I remember the Bodo Glimp performances being very impressive at the time. I, I am going to go back and watch them as well. I remember the um, it was the way they played out from the back, really, and, and the speed at which they did that. They cut through us time and time again to such a degree, actually, that if you think back, it was almost as if uh, with the team selection, I think there was five changes for the second leg, remember? It was almost as if Ange had said, you know what, we've lost this tie. And we went into the second leg and we made five changes and they won that one as well. But yeah, I mean, we've got Knutson, we've got Rodgers, Brian Degnan. Who gets your vote? So it means <clears throat> is slightly caveated. So I think we need a director of football model, as I spoke about for a while. I think that has to be the, the key. If we went down that route, I think Mareska would be a good choice because you're mitigating his lack of top flight managerial experience to an extent because you've got that director of football and that infrastructure. But what you are getting is his knowledge of the city group, their transfers. He's worked under probably the best manager in the world at the moment. He likes that attacking style of football. He knows how to coach well, but he can be guided by a more experienced figure. So if we went down the director of football route, um, Mareska, if not, Jesse Marsh, I think would be a good shout. I think, um, I know there's some tactical questions around him at times, but I think in general, um, he's worked with young dynamic players. He's got an attacking philosophy. And I think he'd, he'd I think he, he was linked to Celtic before as well, so I think that would be a good call. If none of those two, then either Jack Ross or Owen Coyle for me. Obviously, joking, guys, comments, what? <laughs> that will um, that, so, that so, be clipped. That will be clipped and clipped. used on the social media channel. <laughs> if, if you go back to just before Ange came in, I had a conspiracy theory that Mark Law was going to come in as director of football then, and that was about a year before he actually got hired. So watch their space if he does come in. But as I said, if we get a director of football, Mareska, I think, would, would fit well into that new style. Mm-hmm. If not, I think Jason Marsh might come in. And then the Simpsons scriptwriters will be on the phone to you, Brian, to see if you want a job with um, Matt Groening and co. Right, listen, I've not revealed who I want it so far, but we'll keep you hanging because, you know, it's definitely... One of these things that's changing on a day-to-day basis. In fact, I'll just tell you, I want Brendan Rodgers to come back. There you go. I think Brendan Rodgers comes back, we win the league. You know, that's my take on it. But I think there's a long way to go before him and Peter Lowell can work together again. And, I, you know, I know what the um, job of a chairman entails. I know that it shouldn't be involved in the day-to-day running of the club. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Peter Lowell here. Come on. Let's, let's get a reality check. There will be uh, day-to-day involvement um, if Brennan Rogers comes back to the club. So, yeah, that's my vote at the moment, but we'll see how that develops. And if something happens over the weekend, emergency broadcast time, I think, right? So we'll get the laptop out um, and you might see me in the back garden talking about Celtic's new arrival. I don't think it's going to happen that quickly. I've got to thank everybody for getting involved. 1,200 strong. Give us a big thumbs up on the YouTube. Subscribe to the channel if you want to get involved in the comment section. And if also you want to come to see Gordon Strachan live on the stage with myself at the end of the month. Ticket link is underneath the video. Tickets are going fast. Um, I've got to say that. That's heading towards a sellout. The VIP's already sold out, and I can't wait to speak to Gordon Strachan all about his football and mainly Celtic career as well. All that's left for me to say, Alan, Peter and Brian, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.